0: The Bible says, "Be not deceived. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap."
1: All right, it's four p.m. on Wall Street. Do you know where you
3: Well, welcome to Financial Issues. I'm your host, Shanna Burt. Thanks for tuning in with us today. Whether you're watching on Facebook, uh, not quite on YouTube because we're still in YouTube jail, um, or on the website, or on the phone app, or if you're listening to us on one of the more than uh, 400 radio stations that we are on. If you've got questions about the economy, the markets, your portfolio, Or my favorite thing to talk about is just stewardship in general. We've got a lot to jam in to this hour. If you're listening to us on Saturday on an AFR station, we are not live. You're listening to kind of a best of throughout the week. Um, But we do kind of gear some information towards you. If you want to catch us live, you can get our phone app. Whether you're Android or Apple, just go to the App Store and search for FISM TV And you can get that there There's so much great content on there You can watch us live You can listen live You can go back and catch all of the shows So it's really helpful If you're listening to the show And you maybe catch the tail end of something Or you hear me refer back to something that we did In a previous show or segment You can go back and find that very easily So get that So a little bit of economic recap for what we've seen in the past week. Uh, The most recent news is the Fed's Beige Book Report came out. That's where they kind of look at all the economic factors uh, of the economy and base their decisions about whether they're going to raise rates or tighten or ease monetary policy. Um, So what the gist of it was is that economic activity grew in the third quarter But modestly. So this doesn't mean that we're out of a technical recession. So a technical recession, even though the Biden administration and a lot of economists are even saying that we're not necessarily in a recession right now, just because we're meeting that technical definition, which is two quarters of negative GDP growth back to back. Even if the third quarter GDP ends up being positive, we'd still need another positive quarter of GDP growth to be technically out of a recession. And then we could still um, feel the the real effects of being in a recession without technically being in one. So the economy is uh, starting to weaken in a lot of areas. The good news, a little bit, there's a little bit of good news, bad news in this report. Supply disruptions are easing. So when COVID hit, we had a lot of supply chain disruptions as people were forced to lock up in their houses, couldn't go to work. That shut down a lot of industry. You know, there's a lot of jobs where people actually have to be there to be productive because they're making things Um and uh, producing goods and services. So we remember the run-on toilet paper and all of the bare shelves that we saw, and that's because everything was kind of shut down. So it uh, there were some real ripple effects through the economy that we were still feeling even two years later, but those supply chain disruptions are easing. But... <laughs> For how long? So we're going to have Craig Halgard on in the next segment, and we're going to talk about some of these issues going on with shipping. Uh, the, the Mississippi River levels being low, two thousand barges being backed up, not getting, not being able to get down the river and get the goods to where they need to go. Um, shortage of uh, in the trucking industry. We're still a hundred thousand truckers short of what we need to get things where they need to go, and there's still problems with the. Uh, Rail Workers Union and decreased movement on the rails. So those are the three main ways that we get goods and services around the country here. And, you know, it's the supply chains are going to suffer, you know, you might be prepared for maybe some more bare shelves. So might be a good idea right now just to stock up on some of your essentials. I'm not fear mongering or anything like that, but you know we live in such a microwave society where instant gratification is all the rage. And if we can't get our uh, Doritos or our <laughs> whatever it might be, our mayonnaise or or butter, uh, whatever that is, we tend to get a little bit cranky. So uh, stock up on some of those things. It's it's never a bad idea to just be prepared. Retail spending, they said, was flat, which is a a good sign because it's not eroding yet. The labor market is still tight, but it is seeing some more labor freezes. So we're coming off of a very, very strong job market where there's been two open jobs for every person seeking work. And that has decreased a little bit to 1.7 jobs for every uh, person seeking work. The problem here is really labor participation. You know, we have a 3.5 unemployment rate, which is historically very, very low. Um And that tends to be a positive for indicate uh, strength in the economy. But the problem is, is that the labor market has continued to decline ever since the Obama administration. It dropped way off during COVID because of all of the stimulus money that was pumped into the economy. People didn't have to worry about paying their bills because the government was giving them money. And so as long as that money lasted, they were able to with a lot of them still being able to work from home and still getting Paychecks. We know that there are some people that were really adversely affected, and that money really did help them. But for a lot of people, it was just land yap, as we call it here in the South. So there was a the surprise there is that what is strong still in the economy is demand for travel and leisure. So that supports the point that a lot of people got extra money during COVID that they didn't need to spend. It, it made. Uh, gave them a lot of confidence that, that things weren't going to get too bad, that they were still going to be able to continue to pay their bills for a long time, and they kind of saved that up in the bank. And now that they're back to work and you know things are looking a lot better, they're spending that money not so much on furniture and uh, home improvement type supplies, which is what they were doing when they were stuck at home. Now people are getting out, and they're getting out with a vengeance. So we're hearing the airlines report very strong demand. So it's hard to have or to really feel like we're in a recession when people have so much money to spend on travel. That tends to be the discretionary things, the people that The things that people don't have to spend money on tend to really go down whenever we're in a discretion, uh, when when we're in a recession. So the upside industrial production in the United States increased 5.3% and manufacturing increased as well. And that has to do with the easing of the restrictions of the supply chain. They're being able to get the supplies that they need to make the things that they make. So earning season is upon us. That is uh, very important. Uh, about 10% of S&P companies have reported and so far, 70 of them have posted positive earnings. So I suspect that we're going to get to the companies that really tend to struggle during the kind of conditions that we're having. And when that happens, we're going to see some movement in the market. Uh, President Joe Biden announced an additional release of crude oil from the strategic oil reserve of 15 million barrels. Now, at first, when I heard this, it sounded like he was uh, approving more oil to be released. But it appears now that he's just doing the last 15 million of the 180 million barrels that he announced that they would be releasing in The spring of the year so they're going to do that by December when the embargo of Russian oil goes into effect from the EU and Um, you know, he had a plan that he put forth. He still, if you watch that 13-minute clip of him talking, that's about all that they would allow him to do. He still heavily blames all of this on on Russia invading the Ukraine and greedy oil companies. He denies his climate policies have any part in the inflation that we're seeing and his plan is just uh, a little bit lacking in my opinion. I'm running out of time this segment, but stay tuned. I'm going to talk more about that later in the show. So don't go anywhere. We're going to be right back with more financial issues. After this break, I'm your host, Shanna Burt.
0: Thank you for your services, and I just want to call to encourage everybody listening to become members.
4: At Financial Issues Stewardship Ministries, our goal is to help Christians make financial
3: decisions that honor God. I have never found anyone in the finances, even Christians, who have this passion and and the honesty
0: that you have. You're not taking anything in. It is incredibly
4: generous of you what you're doing. Go to financialissues.org and become a partner today
2: people are talking a lot about healthcare these days, there are so many changes, so many questions. As Christians, where can we turn for answers? At Samaritan Ministries, we believe the answer is in Jesus Christ, working in the lives of His people, demonstrating Christian community by sharing each other's medical needs, scripturally, faithfully. Here's just part of
4: Brett's story in his own words. When I reflect on Samaritan Ministries, the biggest thing that stands out to me is that we, as a body of believers, are living out New Testament. Christianity. This idea that Samaritan has adopted from the book of Acts should permeate all parts of our lives, not just health sharing. It it, it has a profound
2: impact on people like me and my wife. Brett is just one of more than 150,000 members who are sharing over $13 million in medical needs each month. If you'd like to experience what it's like to partner with other Christians for your health care needs, and you'd like to see what other members are saying, visit MySamaritanStory.org.
1: All throughout the red light district in India, women are trapped in a cycle of survival through prostitution. But they're not alone. Their children are there, hiding in back alleys, under a bed, or asleep in a room not far from the drugs and brothels outside. Five million of these children are trapped in the red light districts of India, at a high risk of being abused or used in the trade themselves. But India Partners has made a way for you to rescue these children and relocate them to a safe, clean home in a safe neighborhood where not only their physical needs will be provided for, but they'll be introduced to the love of Jesus. And hopefully, with these resources, both the child and their mother can escape the sex trade and start a new life outside the red light district. Just $62 will provide a week of safety for one of these children, and $275 will provide for a whole month. Visit IndiaPartners.org to see how your Your gift can reach into the red light district and provide days of safety for one of these five million children
5: have you ever thought about banking with a credit union instead of a traditional bank
6: not really but i think my parents have a credit union account
5: do you know the difference between a bank and a credit union Mm, no banks are owned by stockholders so they do their best to make profits for them But credit unions are owned by their members, and the members see their profits through lower rates and higher interest on savings accounts. And at Christian Community Credit Union, our mission is to help members and ministries become better stewards and achieve their financial goals. Our mobile and tablet apps provide easy, safe, and convenient banking. It's like banking at your fingertips 24-7. When you bank with us, you're banking with someone who shares your faith and values. To get started today, visit us online at mycccu.com. Christian Community Credit Union, your money building God's kingdom.
2: Now back to Financial Issues Week in Review.
3: Welcome back to Financial Issues. I'm your host, Shanna Burt, and we have a special guest with us today, Craig Halgert. He usually does the ag report at the end of this segment, but we've got him for the whole thing, for the whole segment this uh, today. So we're so excited about that because there's so many things happening in the ag and commodity markets that we need to know about that's going to affect the economy overall. So Craig, thanks for being with us.
0: Well, it's my pleasure. Glad to be, glad to be out here with you this morning.
3: Great. You know, well, we've been hearing that a grain is approaching historic price levels. What can you tell us about this?
0: Well, we've had a pretty good run. And I, I think, you know, uh, that's what I want uh, the listeners that are farmers to keep in mind. We've had a higher prices, obviously, this summer on, on corn, but we're still at historically really high levels. If I look at December corn futures, for example, right now they're $2.70 a bushel above the five-year average price Uh, for this date. At the same time, if you look at demand, we've got exports running 51% behind last year. Um, And USDA is projecting a year over year reduction of 13%. So I think we're gonna end up with exports being even less than what the USDA is projecting. We're at some historically pretty good price levels. Uh, And we know that the old saying, the best year for high prices is high prices. Uh, My my fear is that with, with the strong US dollar and everything else, kind of pricing ourselves out of the export market, and uh, we may look back in a few months and these these prices may look pretty attractive to us. So I just don't want the listeners that have grain to market to to get complacent and sit on their hands and and, and miss out on an opportunity. Soybeans is really the same deal. November soybean futures are $3.65 above the five-year average, and uh, soybean exports are running 24% behind last year's pace. Actually, at an 11-year low on exports right now. And currently, the USDA is projecting exports will be off 5% for the year. So, uh, again, I think when this is all said and done, that soybean exports so will probably end up below what the USDA is currently projecting. Uh, we could see that carry out and That would put pressure on prices longer term.
3: Hmm. So what you're saying is don't be greedy.
0: <laughs> yeah, take some money off the table for sure. If you don't have any sales made, this is not a bad place to get some made. And when you look at the price levels we're at and the cost of carrying uh, grain in the bin, uh, when you factor interest costs and everything else into it, uh, it really doesn't pay very well. Once you get past January or February, um, the market's right now not going to reward you to store it.
3: Mm, Good stuff. Well, you know, we've been really doing our best to follow this rail strike situation, you know, reporting, you know, Biden, the Biden administration came in and did some negotiations that the bosses, thought that they were going to accept, but then when it went to the membership, at least one of the unions rejected us. Can you tell us, um, can you give us some insight here and tell us what's going to happen?
0: Sure. I mean, President Biden came riding riding in on his white horse to save the (laughs) day, obviously, and, and, uh, you know, gave a a pay raise that was actually retroactive to 2020, I think, which is the craziest thing I've ever heard of. But uh, that that held off uh, the, the rail striking, uh, but they, all of the different uh, uh, unions had to had to approve it. And this last week, the Brotherhood of Maintenance of Way Employees rejected the contract. Um, I think there's 14 unions, and they all have to approve, or else they all go on strike. So the the union uh, countered uh, that vote by extending their own strike deadline until five days after Congress reconvenes, which is going to be November 19th. So I think right now, November nineteenth is going to be a very key key date to keep an eye on. If uh, if the maintenance way employees stick to their guns and the others uh, then are forced to honor that, we will probably we could very easily see a rail a strike uh, taking place or beginning on the nineteenth of November. Mm-hmm.
3: Which just so happens to be after the election. How convenient! <laughs> yeah, isn't that funny? <laughs> yeah. It's
0: yep.
3: So another part of this uh, three-legged stool, you know, with shipping, we've got truckers, we've got uh, rail, and we've got barges. So we've been seeing these levels of the Lower Mississippi River become impassable in a lot of places with. uh, Yesterday, I think the latest I saw was 2,000 barges were backed up. So, um, you know, what's going on here, and how concerned should we be about this?
0: Well, I mean, that's uh, talking about your perfect storm. We've got the Mississippi River in Memphis at an all-time record low water level. Uh, Obviously, the Corps of Engineers is in drudging and and trying to keep it passable. Uh, Traffic, I believe right now, is just going one direction. It's able to flow north. But not south, and and the industry is responding by doing a couple of things. Number one, they're they're reducing the amount of product that they put on each barge, and then they've also uh, just agreed to a maximum a barge uh, of of 25 barges in a tow. And you know they'll, they'll hook barges together and 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 haul more you know that route. But they they're not going to limit that to to 25 barges. But that action alone, depending on on the size of the tow is going to reduce capacity by anywhere from 17 to 38 percent and then we've also already reduced capacity by by loading them wider and so it it has a huge impact on the amount of stuff that can move it's kind of interesting if you look at movement of grain in the united states 47 percent of all the grain in the united states is moved by barge now some of that's on the columbia river and, and whatnot but there's no doubt the mississippi river is is a very crucial crucial uh way of, of moving not just grain, but all products. In fact, a total of 500 million tons of supplies are usually ferried on the Mississippi River every year. So it's having a big impact on grain, on fertilizer, but on its other, other goods as well.
3: Mm-hmm. You know, I saw a statistic yesterday, I think that 95% of the export, uh, the food for export travels down the Mississippi, and that's a a pretty high rate. Yeah,
0: that's <laughs> that, that's swinging a pretty big stick. And, and the stuff that doesn't go down to Mississippi or export, a lot of it gets uh, put on trains and sent out to Pacific Northwest uh, to hit the export uh, ports and in, in, in terminals in, in Seattle and, and Portland, for example. And so if you couple uh, low river levels and, and slowed barge freight with a potential rail strike, and you can see what that would do to grain exports, it kind of bring it to a screeching halt.
3: Mm-hmm. I even saw some uh, shipping costs on barges, from back a year ago at the beginning of October, were twenty eight dollars and forty five cents. I think a short ton is is the way that they mm-hmm. measure it, and now right. um, a hundred and five dollars and eighty five cents. That's almost four times, four hundred percent higher.
0: Yeah, that's going to be a it's problem. Been, it's been absolutely crazy. It's a it's an interesting market to try and maneuver in, and you know as, as a business person in, in the industry, it, it it makes decisions quite challenging. So.
3: Mm-hmm. So what does that mean? If they can't get the product down the river on barges, what do they do with it?
0: Well, we're already seeing it reflected. Now, the your listeners that are, are farmers will understand this, but the others may not. But the, the price, the cash price is made up of, in grain, is made up of two different components. One is the futures market. And what I report in the evening, that's the futures market price that I'm giving. The other component is something called the basis, and that'll either be a negative or a positive above or below the futures market, depending on things like transportation costs and demand and that type of thing. And so with the um, high barge prices and uh, a greater inability to move on the river, it's making that that basis very low. So right now in uh, Cincinnati, Ohio, for example, Soybeans at one uh, barge terminal are being bid at a 104 cents or dollar four cents a bushel under the uh, the November soybean futures. Um, Processing plants in Ohio, on the other hand, are are bidding 20 cents under. And so, if if you're what it's doing is really redirecting beans to processors and and away from uh, barge loaders in this case. But if you don't have that processing outlet in your whole market is dependent on barges, obviously you're getting a sharply reduced price for your grain than what you would normally expect.
3: Well, I don't know how dependent the farmers are on on trucking the product around if they can't get to their preferred method, but, you know, there would be a lot more capacity in the trucking industry if we, say, had a pipeline that moved oil down from Canada to the south where it's refined. <laughs>
0: Well, that would just make sense, but we need to go with electric semis, I think, don't we? Something ridiculous like that, a long extension cord down the highway. But, uh, yeah, and and the problem with trucking is obviously fuel costs have have shot up. Uh, We do a lot of trucking within the state to to our um, outlets, but uh, even those costs, I'm I'm paying almost double the rates that I was paying a year ago, so that's that's Mm. become very expensive as well.
3: Wow. Well, give us an update on the war in Ukraine's impact on agriculture.
0: Well, recently we've seen uh, the grain prices drop a little bit uh, because it looked as if uh, Russia maybe was open to extending the agreement uh, allowing Ukraine to export goods. Um, last night there were some statements that came out of Russia kind of indicating that uh, they were not willing to do that unless they got some fairly significant... Uh, opportunities to export, uh, grain and fertilizer out of Russia as well. Uh, so that result is we've got uh, grain prices higher this morning. Um, you know, that war, it looks like it's going to drag on. It looks like they're increasingly uh, targeting civilian targets in Ukraine and, and just trying to make life as miserable as they can for the Ukrainian people. Um, so ultimately my guess is that, uh, that deal will get killed. And, uh, the door on on exporting grain out of Ukraine is probably going to get slammed shut. Um, they're exploring some other areas. They're trying to you know move up into northern Ukraine and access maybe some some rail opportunities and whatnot. But um, it's, it's going to be really difficult to uh, replace the shipping capacity they had at, at the ports there. Uh, and, and again, I ultimately long term, it's just going to make make food supplies a little bit tighter because they're they're not going to be able to get hit the market with what they've got.
3: Mm. Well, we're about to run out of time, but really quickly, you know, we've talked about uh, the fertilizer uh, shortage that we're seeing and how that could impact yields in the future. And there was a plant in Florida that was impacted by Hurricane Ian. So what can you tell us about fertilizer prices and availability?
0: Yeah, fertilizer prices actually are trending a little bit lower. Uh, We're seeing pretty decent availability we've we've been able to get everything we want we have seen farmers cut back on fertilizer a little bit which is kind of increasing the stocks and oddly enough we're seeing really good fertilizer supplies in brazil right now which i did not expect so uh i think this still is playing out but right now it's a a little better picture than i would have thought it would have been a couple months ago
3: Well, that's great news. We always love having you on the program live because you really know how to explain it to us and tell us how it impacts everything.
2: If you like what you're hearing right now, you're going to love going to the website FISM.TV. FISM.TV is the home of nationally syndicated TV, radio, and podcast Financial Issues with Shanna Burt. But it's also home to the Engaging History program, A Moment in History, and the news show FISM News. So keep listening to this show right here and right now, but later when you're done, go visit our website. It's FISM.TV to learn more about this show and plenty more. I pray that in these trying times, that I can lead him in a way that I know will leave a godly imprint on his heart forever.
3: And And to show her how to live a life that is pure, I want her to understand how precious life is, and to to take care care of
7: his body. To eat right and exercise and understand that his body is a temple temple of of God. God.
2: I pray that our family will love Jesus. Read his word daily and obey his teaching. The values that we share should guide us in the way that we invest. Make sure that you are investing in companies whose policies and practices align with pro-life, pro-family values. Visit thetimothyplan.com or call for more information. Advance the kingdom in the way that you invest. I'm a
0: partner of uh, uh, financial issues, and I appreciate what you have done for uh, the average citizen.
2: I became a partner back in June, July, and the best thing I've done, I've taken over 30 years of my savings and um, have been able to manage it through your process, and I have a much greater peace and sense uh, that I'm doing the Lord's will, so anybody that's thinking about it, do it and also get on the portfolio tracker. I enjoy doing it myself. I'm learning a ton. Securities offered through GA Repl and Company, a registered broker, dealer, and investment advisor, member FINRA and SIPC. Opinions expressed by Shanna are hers alone and are for informational purposes only and do not necessarily represent those of GA Repl or the outlet on which you are listening. You should consider how the information applies to your situation prior to personally implementing it and consult any financial professional you work with to make sure it's applicable to your financial plan.
3: Welcome back to Financial Issues. I'm your host, Shanna Burt, and we're going to get right to some of your questions. We have Vicki calling. She's calling from Virginia. Hi, Vicki. You're on financial issues.
6: I am calling because uh, the CGA is no longer on our asset allocation, and uh, when Dan set it up, everything was going good with the economy, and um, the CGA that I have that Dan and I agreed on, um, and half of that goes to my long-term care insurance, and the other half is for me, um, it's 2.3 times the cash equivalent. Then I just put in for three years of RMDs and CDs, which, of course, is going down because the, the interest rate is going to go up, I think, because the Federal Reserve. So um, keeping all that in mind, the total that you told us to go ahead and uh, calculate all of our assets on is without the CGA. Is that
7: correct?
3: Yeah, and the thought behind that, there's some verbiage on the um, right next to the asset allocation models. I did take the CGA out because here's the diff- here's here's why. The CGA is permanent income, so it and the key there is permanent. So once you do it, you can't really change it. So if you're including it as part of your cash then and and the cash goes goes down dramatically if we if we redeploy a lot of that cash, well, you can't sell your charitable gift annuity. you can't get the cash out of that to go somewhere else, so it makes the logistics a little bit different.
6: okay, but you understand how large mine is. it will really change the percentages and Dan mm-hmm. had told me to use because of this he had told me to use the Excel spreadsheet instead of the tracker, okay. Yeah, so I mean
3: you can continue doing that for sure.
6: Okay. So because I am doing it that way and because of the large percentage of the CGA, should I go ahead and just leave it in that
3: total number? I mean that that's up to you. That's that's the beauty of the program is that you have, you know, it is a do it yourself program, so you get to, you know, have some discretion on how you do it. It just it doesn't make sense to me to include the charitable gift annuity in the total because that's a part of of the portfolio that you can never change. So for example, if you're including the charitable gift annuity in in the total, um, then, and, and it's maybe 20% of your total, which, you know, the, the percentage, the, the recommendation has never been more than 10%. So let's just say that it is 10% of your total and the the cash allocation goes down dramatically, and you're still trying to keep some cash available for RMDs and your distributions and things like that. Then it 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 kind of brings you to a sticking point. So, um, I mean, you could you could keep that part in cash in there. It, what it's going to mean is that your true cash in your portfolio is a lot less. So that's okay if you if you want to continue to do it that way. If it if it really throws things off, I mean, I I would have to look at the the individual situation to really be able to see, and that's just not something that I'm able to do from this end. So, well, let's get to James. James is calling us from Georgia. Hi, James.
6: Hi, Shanna. Um, I have a question concerning, on Friday, per the alert, I sold UT82, and I was just curious, about which one of the ones on the buy list in the UT area that you would suggest buying to replace it. And just a side note, I want to tell you, I did send them an email to tell them that I wasn't happy with them being making unbiblical decisions and supporting unbiblical issues, and they just sent back basically saying, confirm, we got it, with no comments, sort of thumbing their nose at me. So which stock would you recommend uh, in the utility area to buy to
2: replace it?
3: Well, I'm going to say it depends on the other stocks that you have. So, um, I'm assuming that that puts you a little bit underweighted in the utility area and you're looking for a replacement there. So two things that I would look at is to look at, um, first, make sure that your allocation is light from selling that one. You know, that's been a sector that has done well and you may have ended up overweighted in the, ut- in the utility sector. Um, so if you were, then just um, consider that getting back into line there. Uh, I would look at perhaps uh, UT26, and I didn't catch if you were an income investor or not. But No, that I is,
6: am
3: not. Okay, you are not. So then I would probably look at uh, UT40. That tends to be, if you are not an income investor, I would look at the ones that are more growth-oriented, Um, That particular one is going to include some things in the alternative energy sector, which, you know, if all of this funding stays in effect for the climate change crisis that we are uh, not really going through, but we are told that we are, um, they're going to do well there. So I would look if you're not dependent on income, then I would look at that one or. The other one, which is UT86.
4: Okay. Thank you very much.
3: All right. Thanks for calling. We really appreciate all of our partners um, who who support us all the time. Well, let's get right to Marilyn. Marilyn's calling us from Kentucky. Hi, Marilyn. You're on financial issues.
7: Hi. I'm a longtime member, but I'm very new to the uh, trucker. I've just started doing that. And I'm confused as to how to put the cash in.
3: Okay. So if you use whatever ticker symbol your brokerage account uses for cash. So if it's a money market, just use that money market. That will work. And then also there is a note on the website. If you go under the cash part of it, um, I think I believe it's the very first symbol. It says this is a symbol that you can use for cash, and it's just going to put it in a dollar dollar for dollar. So, if you look at the top of that cash list, you'll see what that symbol is there.
7: Okay, so I've, I've done that for the purchase price, and the number of shares would be the the same thing, I guess, right?
3: Yeah, because old- your
7: cash should be dollar for dollar, so and so your cost basis you, all those numbers would be the same mm-hmm. and the current share, and the current share price right correct okay well it didn't populate but maybe i didn't do something right okay so those you'd have the same numbers in four columns mm-hmm. current share cost basis number of shares
3: and purchase price right
7: that's it okay thank you so much
3: all right thanks for calling and I'm so glad to hear she's using that tracker. I think she's going to find a great value in that. Well, let's go to Craig. Craig is calling us from Ohio. Hi, Craig.
7: Hi, Shanna. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Uh, I had a question about uh, preferreds. I noticed on the my list that there's uh, nothing under preferreds, and we are in the process of changing some of our uh, positions to uh, Biblically Responsible, and I didn't notice anything under preferreds.
3: So Mm -hmm. I was just
5: curious why that is.
3: That has been a challenge for a while. So, um, you know, we're, we're following along in Dan's footsteps in that area. He was never a big fan of financials. There were some really strict criteria that we use for selecting preferreds, and it's been really hard to find them uh, that that meet the criteria. We still are looking constantly, but um, we just we don't have any to add right at the moment. I suspect that perhaps that will change as rates have gone up. The problem that we were seeing was that so many of the preferreds that we had on the list for so long were being called. And that was because, you know, interest rates were low and, um, you know, stayed low, especially during COVID, went went down even further. So um, preferreds most of the time are cumulatively callable, which means that um, are perpetually callable, which means that they can really be called at any time. So if the company finds itself with a lot of cash, it can pay those off. You know, let's say that they're they have a 5% coupon rate and, you know, they can borrow money at a lower rate, you know, two or three or four percent in the in the uh, financial markets, then they're gonna do that. They're gonna pay that off and save that interest expense. So we had a lot of them get called and we just had a really hard time finding preferreds that meet that criteria and we really just don't wanna compromise on the quality.
7: Okay, well then my question is, we have nine that are very high performing in our brokerage account. And I'm just curious, are they just suggesting the Timothy, uh, uh, you know, the uh, fixed income fund? Uh, I don't know. I'm just uh, trying to figure out what to do.
3: (laughs) So here's what I would do. Go to our homepage, uh, financialissues.org, and there's a screener tool down there. It's called the uh, um, Screen It, Clean It, or it looks like a little wheel. You can click on that, and you can go and just screen the companies that issued the preferreds and see if they're biblically responsible. If you've had them for a long time and you've been comfortable with their credit rating, with with all of those um, other things that contribute to the quality of it, you could keep them until, until we get some uh, replacements on the list if we can.
7: Okay. Thank you very much.
3: All right, Craig. Thanks for calling. Well, I'm Shanna Burt with Financial Issues. We're going to take a short break, and then we're going to be right back for more Financial Issues.
2: American Family Association President, Tim Wildman.
5: Why does AFA
2: exist? Well, we're here to inform, equip, and activate individuals and families
3: to transform the culture. We want to make an impact on our country for Christ. That's the reason my dad, Don Wildman, started this ministry 40 plus years ago. Dad was concerned about the direction America was headed, and he was determined to do something about it. Maybe that describes you today. If it does, I want to strongly encourage you to consider a charitable gift annuity to American Family Association Foundation. This will benefit you and it will ensure that we stay in the fight for a long, long time to come. That's the AFA
4: Foundation. Call the AFA Foundation at 800-326-4543, extension 345. That's 800-326-4543, extension 345.
5: I got to hear how strong her heartbeat was. I was like, I felt like she was supposed to be here. And it didn't matter what anybody else told me. All that mattered was that I was blessed with the ability to carry life inside of my body, and that baby was supposed to be here for something, and that was all that mattered.
2: This is the story of a young lady who decided to keep her baby after hearing her baby's beautiful heartbeat on ultrasound. The Ministry of Preborn provides ultrasounds for pregnancy centers across America for free. When an abortion-minded woman hears her baby's heartbeat on ultrasound, she is 80% more likely to keep her baby. And the story doesn't end there. Your gift of $140 will cover the cost of five ultrasounds. All donations are tax-deductible. You can help save a baby's life right here in America by donating to Preborn. To donate, dial pound 250, keyword baby, pound 250, 250 baby or donate securely at preborn.com. That's preborn.com.
0: Do you know what you are supporting when you purchase mutual funds and stocks? Think about it. When you invest in a company, you make a decision to support the things that that company supports, and it may not be things that you agree with.
3: We had no idea that we were supporting things like abortion, gambling, and pornography.
4: Thanks to Financial Issues, we have changed all of that and have never felt better about our money.
3: We are honoring God.
4: The best decision we have ever made. Financial Issues is a ministry teaching people like you
0: how to invest biblically, responsibly, keeping your investments clear of companies that may support an ungodly agenda. Grow your money God's way. Learn more by going to financialissues.org become a partner honor God and take control of your finances financialissues.org
7: never be without quality God honoring entertainment always at your fingertips and within your view in your home and on the go you'll never be without FISM TV watch financial issues outspoken FISM News and more God-honoring TV right where you are. Tune in to FISM TV anywhere, anytime.
2: The opinions and recommendations expressed on this program do not necessarily represent the opinions of the station or any of the program's sponsors. Additionally, all products or services offered by the program sponsors may not be known by the program.
3: Welcome back to Financial Issues. I'm your host, Shanna Burt, and there's starting to be more talk of a bottom being put in. So, whether it's a bottom or not, you should follow a disciplined strategy and stay the course. If you if you get into trying to time the market, um, not only do you increase your chances of being wrong, but you increase your anxiety. And you know the scripture tells us, "Don't be anxious about anything." You know, set your plans. Um, but the Lord ordains the steps. So um, be smart, develop a strategy that you can believe in in good times and bad. You know, it's it's kind of like marriage, you know, going into it. we we promise to, Um, Love, honor, and cherish each other in good times and bad times. That indicates that we are going to have good times and we are going to have bad times. And it's the same for the market. There are going to be good times and there are going to be bad times. And, you know, we don't abandon a great strategy just because there's a little bit of bad news in the markets. So that will come. If you invest in the market, you know, we can never say the word guarantee when we're talking about Returns in the market. But, you know, one thing that we can almost guarantee is that if you're in the market for any length of time, you are going to experience a downturn in the market. So you just have to set your mind on that. You have to know that it's coming and you have to be prepared and um, know what you're going to do when it happens. Whether or not, you know, if you think that um, if the market goes down 10 or 20%, that you're not likely to stay in then you should never get in because it's going to happen at some point. So let's get to our callers. I think we have Cecilia calling from Florida.
7: Good morning, Hi, Cecilia. Dana, thanks for the call. Sure. I am an income investor and I'm adapting the asset allocation model to the changes and updates that been implemented. And my consumer staple sector is low right now uh, in the amount that I'm supposed to have in it. We own two positions that are down, and we've decided to add to CS82 and to CS58. And my question is, is there any reason why we should not do this at this time?
3: How many different positions do you have in that sector already? We have uh, five totals. Okay. Um, you could add another position in there, and that would give you plenty of diversification. So you want to make sure that you do have diversification in the subsectors. The two that you mentioned are um, definitely in different, different subsectors, so you would be good there. Now, the first one that you mentioned is a very small cap, so you just have to be prepared for volatility in that particular, uh, company, but it would be okay. If you want to stay at five positions, it would even be okay. If you want to, um, if there's another company that's on the buy list that you don't already have, that would add more diversification. Maybe if there's something that's a lot different than the things that you have, it might be good to, to add to that diversification. So without knowing the other positions, um, you know, it's hard to say. So, yes, it would be okay. But if you have the opportunity to add more income, so you want to look at what the yield is on both of those two, which which are pretty high, and then compare it with something maybe that's on the list that you don't already have. So if there's an opportunity to increase income at this time, then then that would be a good thing to do.
7: Okay. Now, we own these two positions in that total of five positions for that sector that we have. We currently own these two positions. Right. So it's not like I buy them outright. They're already in the portfolio. hmm
3: Yep. So okay. anytime you right. put new money to work, you don't necessarily um, wanna look backwards at what you already have unless you you know, if you told me you had seven positions already, then I would say don't add another position, you know, just just focus on dollar cost averaging down in the, the things that you do have. Um On the opposite end of the spectrum, if you told me you only had three positions, I would tell you not to dollar cost average in those to add more positions and and more diversity there. So what you're looking at now, because it's new money, even though you already own those positions, you're still looking at where is new money gonna go? So is is the future brighter in the two companies that you already have, or is the future brighter in uh, something else? So if you can add diversity, to within the subsect within the sector then then that could be a, a good thing but
7: okay i i see what you mean because like you say at, at the increase in the percentage then i could add a, mm-hmm. another one your Yeah one. let's just
3: say one of the stocks you have has a 2% yield and the other one has a 3% yield and maybe there's one on the buy list that has a 4% yield um if you're an mm-hmm. income investor you're looking for the most income that you can get so you know that makes me lean toward the one that's paying 4%. So, oh, Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, I hope that helps.
7: Yeah, well, I, it does. And how wonderful it is to have a financial advisor right at my fingertips to dial in and to uh, have you there to run these questions by. I really appreciate that. It, uh, I can't wait for your first town hall so that we can, you know, kind of meet and greet you.
3: <laughs> Sounds right. great. Well, I can't wait to meet you, too. All right. All right. Take care. Well, good stuff, folks. So, um, you know, that is the the beauty of this program is that you get to call in, you get to post questions. And, of course, we do put a priority on the calls that come in. So. Um, but speaking of the other questions, what do we have there? Do we have anything on social? And I know we've got a lot from the website.
4: Yeah, we do have a lot from the website here, Shanna. Let's get to a couple of these. Darren uh, is saying, I'm currently reviewing my asset allocation model for the 45 to 55 and we will be rebalancing soon. Considering that my age is 54, should I rebalance using the current age model or should I think about the 55 to 65? I'm pretty sure the answer is to rebalance using the 45 to 55, but I wanted to know if you had any ideas that I should consider now that I'm closing in on the next month model?
3: So it's more about the time you have until retirement. So if you're 54, you're kind of on the cusp there. It depends on what your retirement age is. If you're planning to work till 70, I would say stay in the model that you're at. If you're planning to retire early, say 60, then I would definitely transition into that next model.
4: Awesome. And then he's asking about a couple of uh, Timothy uh, things here. He's saying, Uh, Would TM-47 be interchangeable with ETF-4? Uh, I do own position in ETF-4, but not in TM-47.
3: Okay. No, not really. So TM-47 is only about um, 15% in small caps, while the other one is 100% in small caps. So um, I would say, no, they're not interchangeable.
4: Good stuff, Shannon. Next one here is from Steve. He's saying, I have an inherited IRA from my parents. I'd like to move to my brokerage account. Plan to retire around seventy. Uh I- Yes, he says he's 65. Sorry, I just had to make sure I saw his age there. He's in the 24% tax bracket right now. There's space within that bracket for the 70000 in the inherited IRA. His wife passed away earlier this year, which means uh, he'll be in a much higher tax bracket next year and for the remaining years that he plans to work. He has a rollover IRA that he would also like to move some of the uh, of, into some of that account um and he's basically asking is it a good plan to move the inherited IRA and whatever else from my rollover IRA if I have room in my current tax bracket
3: Well yes i think so so you said a lot of things there that that point to a yes answer you know the way that you get the way that you went in a qualified account is to get the money out at the lowest tax bracket so you know if you're no longer able to be in that that married filing jointly bracket because your wife has gone home to be with the Lord, then that that's a, pretty much a guarantee that your tax brackets are going to be higher next year. Meaning that you should really look at doing whatever you can do this year. Now, what I would say is to work on the inherit uh, the inherited IRA first. Did he say that the IRA, the inherited IRA came from his wife? I don't think uh, so. No, I don't believe so. Okay, no, so that's the-
4: that's actually from his parents.
3: Okay, so the inherited IRA comes from a non-spouse. So that means if they died after 2020, you've got 10 years to move that money out. So that's going to, you know, potentially, if you waited the 10 years, that would put you in a, taking the the big lump sum of it out in one year, which is likely to push you into the next tax bracket. Um, The other thing is that when that money passes on again, so when you get to go home to be with the Lord... If that money passes uh, a second time, since it's in an in- inherited IRA right now, those next heirs don't have any options. They've got to get it all out in one year. So take a look at the balance in that inherited IRA and think about what would happen if your beneficiaries had to take all of that money in one year. Consider what their tax bracket is and you know how much of that might be shared with your unintended beneficiary of your Uncle Sam.
4: That's good so. <laughs> stuff. Uh, Shanna, real quick here. We do have some people watching on Facebook. We have not been kicked off Facebook, not making any promises there, but we're still on Facebook. Edna saying good morning on Facebook. And Linda from Basila, California, also saying good morning. Good morning. To good both morning.
3: Of you. Good, to, good to see you, Linda. And Linda's been a longtime listener, I know, for as long as I've been listening. So we're we're so great to have the support. It's so great to have the support of our longtime listeners listeners and we really value the trust that you place in us. Well, folks, that was fun today. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm your host, Shanna Burt. We're here to help you be a good steward with all the Lord has given you. Just remember, time is getting short. The master's coming back. When he gets back, there's going to be a test about what we did with our time, talent, and treasure. We want to be found good and faithful stewards And it's our hope here at Financial Issues that we can help you do that and honor the Lord in your finances. Well, Lord willing, we will be back same time, same places next week.
0: If we ever forget that we're one nation under God, then we will be a nation gone under. Thank you for joining us. This has been an FISM production.